0: And welcome to Me, Gautvik. My name is V. My name is Annabelle. And today we're going to be discussing a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And it is coming out. And we actually have a special guest here with us. Hello. (laughs) This is Tammy. I'm the special guest. Yeah, so this topic is important, I think, for us, especially as Vietnamese Americans. I think we don't get a lot of representation of queer Asian people in the media, and I feel like any platform that you have in order to speak your truth, you should. So this is just one story. This is my story. You may or may not relate to it, but I felt like it should be shared. And then later on, we're also going to have Tammy's story as well. Western media has enough coming out stories. But they're usually about young white people. In a way, it's nice to be able to see that story on screen. But for me personally, like my family dynamics, definitely not the same as something you would see in like Love, Simon. The coming out process is extremely personal for everybody. And mine is definitely more of like, it's funny enough, I learned this phrase from um, Pretty Little Liars. And there's a character on there named Emily. When somebody asked her about her coming out process, she says, coming out, I was, I fell out of the closet. Honestly, you can say a lot of things about that show, (laughs) quality-wise. But I had never related to something more. I personally call it stumbling out of the closet. I didn't necessarily fall. I kind of had my footing. You know, I was on all fours at some point. (laughs) Sort of just like regaining my balance. I I don't think I fell out. Nobody forced me out of the closet, certainly. So I think the question always comes up is, you know, when did you know you were gay? I don't know if there's actually a moment, like a ding, 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 like the bell goes off in your head necessarily. I feel like that's very like clean cut, whereas real life is a lot messier than that. I remember being young and sort of like having very emotional attachments to like women. (laughs) I was so attached to these women that I thought were so pretty and so cool. I think before I knew what romantic attachment was, when I was too young, it just felt like admiration like just very deep admiration but the thing is I never wanted to be them whenever I would watch like a movie I would want to be the romantic lead opposite them so as I got older, though, I still can't pinpoint when exactly it happened. But it just slowly, gradually became very obvious to me that like this attachment, as I used to call it, is romantic. It's attraction. I think at some point I was still in denial. Like I didn't put a name to it. You know, there was so much other shit going on, like trying to figure out where I fit in, all of this teenage stuff. But eventually it became very obvious that like, okay, th- this is what I feel. Like these these feelings are romantic and I am gay and so there were people who were very close to me that I felt deserved to know this whom I trusted enough to share something like that with like I was young hormonal and I wanted to be part of these conversations that my friends were having about dating and I trusted them So B is one of these people. Priscilla was one of these people. So they were part of this very tight-knit circle of friends that I felt comfortable enough with to share my less-than-platonic feelings for other girls. And I cannot tell you how incredibly grateful I am for them because looking back now and hearing stories from other people, I know that if they had reacted negatively and had shunned me, I would have been scarred for life. I'm not saying I'm like super well adjusted or whatever, but I think that would have been a very damaging part of growing up if my friends had rejected me. And I do have to say, if your friends don't accept you for who you are, you need better friends because there are people like that out there. They might not be in your high school, but they exist. They are out there and there are so many resources now for you to reach out. Do not let someone else's internal ugliness destroy your life because there is so much beauty in how you feel and who you are. So I I told all of my close friends and, you know, after we graduated high school, I saw college as a very freeing opportunity for me to explore who I am because I was away at dorm. This is trial run for being an adult and I had all this freedom to make my choices. But I always told myself and I I might have told my friends this too, that like I would not tell my parents or my family until I was dating somebody because it just felt like such a huge hurdle that I didn't want to deal with until I had real mature adult feelings for somebody. And I was in a real relationship. So this brings me to my sophomore year of college. I started dating somebody that I really cared for. I remember this vividly because I was visiting one weekend from college. And I, always, I used to do that all the time. And it was late night. I remember my dad was taking a shower. And it was just me and my mom. We were watching this story about the upcoming Lunar New Year parade in the Vietnamese community there was a debate over whether or not the Vietnamese LGBTQ group should be allowed to walk in the parade. And it was getting a little bit touchy. I was like, I'm extremely angry that people were demanding the exclusion of this group. So inside I was burning, but my mom was sitting next to me and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to turn it into a thing except she turned to me and she asked, Hey, so how do you feel about that? And this is the stumbling part because I was like a deer caught in the headlights, the gravity with which she, she said it, it was, it was strange. So I was like, well, of course I, I don't like that. I don't like excluding people because of who they are. I think that's an injustice. And my mom already knew that I'm a huge social justice type person. So this conversation could go somewhere else. But then I think eventually, if I remember correctly, she just was silent for a moment. And then she asked me, so what about you? Who do you like? (laughs) And at that point I knew like the jig's up, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) the jig is up. It was one thing to not talk about it, you know, but it's another thing to lie, especially when I'm in a relationship. I can't tell you how I phrased it. It was sort of like my mind blanked and I was just like, here goes nothing. And so I told her and she was silent. And then my dad came out of the shower and he's like, Hey, what's going on here? I can't remember if I said it or she said it. I think she said it. She told him like, just like that. And then they were both silent. (laughs) And the next day I went back to school and it just was not a lot of communication at that point. And so I was like, well, like, I'm going to let you guys ride out your internal storm. (laughs) I told you my piece. I am who I am. You figure it out. I can't tell you how many long-out, drawn-out conversations I had with my mom after that. Like, it was just silence. And then she started calling me. She told me how my dad was reacting really negatively to it and he wouldn't talk to her. She was telling me all these things. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. This is your problem. I know it sounds callous, but when somebody can't accept you for who you are, that's their problem. It is. You can't fix it. I certainly knew at that point, I'm not going to change myself. I'm not going to go climb back into the closet to appease them. And the thing is, like, I was so ready for things to get even worse that I started looking into how to be financially separated from them. We had to apply for grants and stuff by filling out parental information. Uh, we are just so tied to our parents in college. I had to do this for myself. And if they're not going to be okay with it, I was ready to not be their dependent anymore. I was ready to be cut off from them financially, emotionally, whatever. But I just knew it was not something that I was going to back down on. I didn't come home after that. All of the weekend visits were going to stop. I'm just going to stay at school until you guys figure this out. And at some point, the conversation started like flowing, trickling in again. It's not like they fully ever came to terms with it. And we like had a discussion about my romantic life. But we came to an understanding that our relationship was going to continue. I wasn't going to change who I am. And that was it. And I, I even brought some of my girlfriends home to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a constant process. Every time somebody new comes into your life, who's not part of the community, you have to tell them over and over again. So I think the coming out is never a really finite thing, right? You just, you have to keep doing it and you have to find the right people It was certainly a struggle. I'm so much better for having stood my ground and made other people accept me for me instead of bending myself to their will. So, Tammy, one of the reasons that we brought you onto the show, you're also Vietnamese American, and I want to hear your story and to sort of like compare and contrast along with my personal experiences and see the multitudes of you know experiences that we can have as vietnamese american people who are also part of the lgbtq community so i guess we'll
1: start with the standard question that regardless of what race or ethnicity you are that everyone always asks when did you know like when did you first know and probably for me it was when And it's very similar to the plot line of that movie that you and I watched, Annabelle, the half of it. Love is being willing to ruin your good painting for the chance at a great one. Where I was in elementary school, a male friend of mine, a good friend Dominic said, hey, I really like Sarah. How do I get Sarah to like me? And I said, well, you know, why don't you write her a note? Do you like me? Check this box, yes. But we ended up getting more creative and I was basically writing love notes. I was the, you know, the Cerno de Bejerac for my friend Dominic, for Sarah. It got to the point where it was less his feelings and how he liked her and more about how I liked her. And I think that was when I first realized I might be a little different than some other people, but as you mentioned that you stumbled out of the closet, sometimes on your hands and knees and sometimes crawling on your belly, I think my closet had a glass door and I feel like people knew before I knew. I remember when I was in high school, senior year they have what's called senior awards and it's where the senior class votes for like ridiculous things right like best hair best smile that type of thing and there was a, an award called the macho award and it's male and female so what the guy who won it that made sense he won it and we all thought the macho award for girls is going go to go to this other person we know i ended up winning it and i was actually really shocked but i think their calling me out as macho was sort of like you're super gay, right? In their own unique way. Because obviously I was very much a tomboy. I was involved in sports year round, playing in school and outside for club as well. I tried to be interested in boys, I really did. I would tell my friends, oh, I have this crush on so-and-so. And And I don't think anyone ever believed me, they're like, Yeah, sure, Tammy. Yeah, you have a crush on this guy. You know, I went to homecoming with a guy. You know, we had Sadie Hawkins dances where we'd ask the opposite sex out. No one was overtly gay in my high school. Looking back on it now, I can't even think of one person who would ping my gaydar when I was growing up. I would say as far as my coming out story, I was very much a late bloomer after my initial flirtation into the fourth grade with Sarah writing love notes to her I developed crushes on a lot of girls you know especially in high school playing volleyball oh my god just surrounded by athletic leggy tall women but I never told anyone but again there's a glass door on this closet I'm sure people knew and I think like my parents always knew I didn't have like a serious boyfriend or any serious relationships until like maybe junior year of college, maybe late senior year of college. And I met this woman in one of my classes. It was an environmental science class. And we were doing a lot of camping and a lot of sharing of tents. So use your imagination at that point. And even then, you know, she had come over to the house. My dad met her. He probably was raising a few eyebrows, but it was never discussed when we broke up it wasn't a very happy breakup and apparently she kept calling and I was living at home during college so she kept calling the house and my dad is like that girl keeps calling why does she keep calling (laughs) but I would say very unlike you Annabelle I never specifically had a moment where I just said to my parents I'm gay or I like women or I see myself never being with a man I grew up in Seattle, and then I moved down to Los Angeles about 14 years ago. About probably six or seven years ago, my dad had a very bad stroke. And so I went up to Seattle to help take care of him. We had driven to the grocery store. My mom went inside the shop, and I stayed outside in the car with my dad. And we're just kind of like chit-chatting about L.A. and how's it going. And then, kind of like your mom, he pauses. He's like, oh, are you making friends? How's, you know, how's that going? Oh, yeah, have some friends. I didn't tell him they were gay and they're a group of gay men. And so he, he's pausing and he just kind of looks at me and goes, so what do you like? Do you like boys? Do you like girls? We don't know, you know? And he just seemed a little sad and a little like confused. And he's like, who are you dating now? Are you dating anyone? And I answer his question by saying, I'm not dating anyone. I'm not dating boys and I'm not dating girls right now, which was a true statement. So I had this moment where I could have said, yes, you know, I like women. Uh, I'm not dating any women right now, but I would like to in the near future <laughs> type of thing. So that I had my moment. I stayed behind the glass door, but then I knew my parents knew because before I moved down to LA, there's a big push for women in the family to have children. I came from a very large family. I have eight aunt and uncles on my dad's side and nine aunts on my mom's side. There was always a push of like, when are you gonna have children? When's that going to happen? I knew my mom knew I was gay when she basically, with tears in her eyes as we're packing up the car to move down to LA, she turns to me and says, it's okay if you never have children. They don't understand IVF or how you can have non-traditional pregnancies, right? So that was her way of kind of coming to acceptance. And so now we just kind of don't talk about it. They ask me if I have friends, if I'm socializing and what that's like. But it's just sort of this unsaid thing that never gets discussed. And also very similar to you, Annabelle, I thought I'm only ever really going to say it when I get that that one woman who I'm going to be very serious about. I'm not going to keep bringing home these frivolous women or these, uh, yeah, I thought I was interested in her, but it was really her hair that I was attracted to. So (laughs) I haven't met that one person. There's been a couple where I thought, yeah, I, I could see bringing her home. And then things didn't work out for whatever reason. And I always think that if my parents are more concerned about me being alone, and they would probably just be ecstatic if I brought anyone home (laughs) and said, hey, we're getting married. Um, I know they're very open to it because my cousin is gay and they went to his gay wedding about two or three years ago. So I don't think they'd have negative feelings about it. They'd probably just be like relieved that I'm not gonna die alone with like five cats or something like that. So yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like totally out to my parents. I think they know. I know that they know and they probably know that I know that they know. I'm completely out to all my friends down here, but it's like a weird moment where I can tell someone's going to ask and then my response to them when they do ask is if you have to ask, you don't need to know. And that's kind of how I've taken the stance of, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be like, I'm super gay and just run around with a rainbow flag everywhere I go or introducing myself as, hi, I'm Tammy, I'm gay. Because if you're heterosexual, you don't have to do that. Why is the default heterosexual, right? Why can't the default just be, why don't I just get to know this person and during the course of a conversation, it'll come out organically.
2: A lot about how it's really important to have different types of support systems, but something that we don't realize plays a significant role in being able to communicate with those support systems is language. And I think that's something that's really unique about our experience as Vietnamese Americans is that, you know, we don't only speak English, but we also speak Vietnamese. So, how do you think? language or your comfort with speaking Vietnamese has played a role in you being able to share this part of your identity with your parents or your loved ones? I mean, that's a good question too. And so for me, even though I'm technically first
1: generation, I came over as a baby. I actually am not fluent in Vietnamese. I understand it. And so when my dad was asking me these questions, he's asking me in Vietnamese and I'm responding in English. And so sometimes our conversations are quite rudimentary, because you're right, we don't have this common language to be able to really fully discuss what this actually means. And my understanding is, because I have another cousin who's gay, they just say gay, you know, they don't refer to it as, you know, homosexual or anything else. I don't, I mean, that's a good question for Annabelle. I don't even know what the Vietnamese word for gay is. Do you, Annabelle?
0: There is a word. I think it's mainly for men, though. It's called bê đê. Living in Vietnam,
2: like bê is is like a derogatory term, actually. And the term that I've heard used is bê tính," which just means like same sex.
0: Yeah, there's not really a lot of names for identities other than like really derogatory stuff. So when we had that conversation, My mom also asked me in Vietnamese, but it was just, it literally translated to like, who do you like? She didn't ask for my identity because those terms are so negative that we we don't even want to touch that. It's just literally like, who do you like? And if I may
1: say, that's pretty much what my dad asked me as well. He's like... Well, who do you like? Do you like boys? Do you like girls? Like, who are you dating? Who would you date? For me, the language issue is, is much, much harder. Uh, I know Annabelle can, can speak Vietnamese, and I just, I just struggle with it. So I just respond in English all the time. And I imagine that my parents have some difficulty wrapping their head around this concept of being gay, gay marriage, gay adoption. I wanted to revisit a topic you brought up about like, you know, representation in the media. And it's interesting because the other night, you know, I watched that movie with our mutual friend Summerland. And in it, there's a, a Black woman and a white woman, and they represent the two love interests in it. And she was commenting on how we don't see enough stories about Black women being able to experience love and to have love. Like Black women, especially Black gay women, appear very asexual in the media. Like they'll be there, but they'll be like the token, right? And I was thinking in the back of my head, I was like, I can't think of when I first saw a gay Asian woman having a relationship. I never saw Saving Face, which is like probably the only movie at the time. Growing up, I don't think I saw anything until maybe college, even after late 20s is when I think I first saw a gay Asian woman having a relationship and
0: not just being the gay Asian woman to fulfill their quota. I am so glad you brought up Saving Face. I forgot to mention how important that movie was to me, Like, which is why I'm very protective of that movie. I understand it has flaws, but I will not take any criticism about it because of how informative it was for me. It came out in 2005 and that was when I was 15. It made me feel like I was not so alone.
2: Will has a surprise for her mother.
0: You talk to your mother about us? Does
2: she know we have sex? No, Will. She thinks we conjugate Latin verbs. Her mother is not listening. Seriously, Will, why don't you just tell her? She knows. She kept setting you up with guys.
0: She was gay, and she had friends. She had people who cared for her. She had somebody who loved her. And that made me feel so much better. (laughs) And it empowered me to tell my friends. Alice Wu, the filmmaker of Saving Face, also made the half of it, and I will not take criticism about that movie either. I am so protective of Alice Wu as a filmmaker because of how much she changed my life. And the the authentic portrait that she provided of an Asian family and coming out and all the trials and tribulations of living in America when you're Asian and gay...
1: Absolutely. When the half of it came out, first of all, I think I deserve some royalties because I really do feel it's based on my elementary school experience. But also, it's it's very layered, right? So it's not just a story of coming out. It's about this immigrant family. It's about communication. It's about how she speaks English with her dad, but she also speaks some dialect of, of Chinese with her dad. Her being a loner and and it's nice to show that you also have a lead Asian female character who doesn't fit the stereotype right she's not submissive other than being really smart which I'm okay with that stereotype but she's not submissive she you know speaks her mind um she's incredibly creative as well before her I still can't think of the last movie I saw with a
0: gay Asian female The Handmaiden. Yeah, but that's not Asian American. That's Asian. That's South Korean. Yeah, true. So, I mean, props to Park Chan-wook. That is one of my favorite movies of all time now. But I think it's a different identity to be represented so authentically as an Asian American woman. I honestly cannot.
2: Or
1: I think it also shows importance. Like, Annabelle, you mentioned earlier about how finding friends who are going to support you and love you no matter what. And I think a quote from the movie is like not all love stories are romances. And I think showing her friendship with Paul and showing how they developed and how he became this great support network for her. I think that's just as good as her starting a possible romance with Aster. And people downplay the importance of having a good friend as you're going through the process.
2: If you had to hone in on a specific piece of advice, uh, what would you share to someone who might also be Vietnamese American and is thinking of coming out or hasn't engaged in this experience or part of their identity yet?
1: If you're first generation, your parents aren't going to want to talk about their feelings and they're not going to talk about your feelings. So it's really important to find a support network outside of your family. Being able to find these friends who introduced me to the gay culture and the gay community in West Hollywood, that was so very, very important to me. So for me, the biggest advice I can give someone is just to break out of your rigid family structure and really try to find a good support network through friends, finding a community, you know, and really just going out there and experiencing it.
0: I'm a strong believer in chosen family. Just Go out there and understand that it's not always going to be a home run. There are some shitty, shitty people out there, and I don't want to paint life with rose-colored glasses. You have to have realistic expectations that some people are just shitty. How you cope with that is understanding that their shitty opinions does not diminish who you are as a person your identity, yourself, who you love, these are supposed to be beautiful things. If you're not hurting anybody, then just live your truth. And eventually the right people will be attracted to that and you'll, you'll find your support network just by making genuine friendships. You don't have to try so hard to like mend yourself to fit into any one group. We are so grateful that Tammy was able to join us for this episode.
2: Uh, it was really awesome just hearing from her perspective. And uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Go Peek. My name is V. And
0: I am Annabelle. And I was your special guest, Tammy, tonight. Thank you so much, Tammy, for being here with us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Me Peek. Bye! Bye. Bye.